Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you had a good weekend. What is it, just under six weeks before we start playing college football? I'm excited. About two weeks, we'll be in fall camp. Be a lot to report on then. I tell you, you, know, you start thinking, you know, about college, the college football schedule. And you and begin to wonder, you know, when's our first game, right? Not just us, but when can we start watching college football? Those are the things that I think about. <clears throat> August 27th will be a big day, be a huge day. We get a lot of football that day. Now, it's not going to be, you know, marquee games, but uh, there'll be a handful of games that maybe you have an interest in. I'll run it down for you real quick here. This is called uh, Week 1. You know, we used to do that stupid week zero thing. Uh, but Nevada is at New Mexico State. Austin P is Western Kentucky. Nebraska is at Northwestern. There's a good power five game for you right out of the chute. Idaho State at UNLV. UConn at Utah State. Wyoming at Illinois. Duquesne's at Florida State. Maybe Mike Norvell and those guys will get a win. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. Florida A&M at North Carolina. North Texas at UTEP. And then your NICAP. Vandy is out at Hawaii. I mean, they're going to prove you can lose in all sorts of time zones, right? So that's your August 27th schedule. And then, of course, the uh, you know Labor Day weekend will be here before you know it. A lot of football on September 1st. Tons of football on September 1st. And then, uh, of course, September 2nd will be uh, kind of a full, full, uh, full game schedule. So... Excited about, about all that, but we've almost made it. Just over a month from now, we'll be watching some college football. Pretty cool. All right, I'll, listen, I talk about some personal things on this show, and maybe I shouldn't, but I do. I think it's because uh, it's an important thing, or I wouldn't talk about it, but also, too, I think there are some lessons we can learn from each other. And so I want to share with you something that happened over the weekend and, uh, you know, kind of give you my personal thoughts on this, and perhaps it'll, uh, maybe it'll help you. Maybe it'll help you be a better friend. Because I don't feel like a great friend today. I wish I did. I pride myself on being a good friend. And, uh, yeah, listen, I don't want to be too hard on myself because, you know, you know people move and life changes and you get busy paying the mortgage and raising kids. And Facebook makes us really lazy. You know what I mean? It's like we think we're up to date with each other, but we're really not. You know, it's like I see your post and everything, and maybe I'll put a like on it. And it's not the same as like picking up the phone or having that direct text conversation. Say, hey, how are you? What's going on? So when I moved to Baton Rouge years ago for the second time, and I was there for a long time, made a lot of great friends down there. I never became an LSU guy, even though I was a season ticket holder one year uh, through a friend. Because my kids weren't old enough to come to games with me yet. But I, I love SEC football and had a chance to go uh, to watch LSU. And I did. And it was fun. Especially when you don't have a rooting interest, right? And I was there in Tiger Stadium when Eli Manning threw the pick to end the game and got to walk out and hear all the, the Ole Miss fans with their Bama bangs and, you know, their shoeless loafer ensemble. All blame Eli. That's all on number 10. That's all on 10. It was fun. It was. But uh, the guy that I bought season tickets with 
is a guy named Grant Fontenot. And Grant was a guy that I got met to work, and uh, he was my boss for a while. Then ultimately, we were, we were both managers. And then after I left the company, we, we maintained a friendship and um, got together for lunch once a week, no matter what was going on, tried to make it happen. I guess there were some rare occasions we missed a week. Spent a lot of time at the Jambalaya shop there in Baton Rouge. That's what we did. We'd go to those big buffets, that sort of stuff. You know, Grant was a guy that uh, didn't eat meat on Fridays during Lent, so we, we made the sacrifice to go eat crawfish etouffee and things of that nature. But all that said, Grant was my best friend in Baton Rouge, without question. Without question, my best friend in Baton Rouge. And so what's interesting, too, is when uh, I, remember I bought Ani a Jeep Cherokee for Christmas one year, his first vehicle, the thing was a tank, had some problems with it, and uh, basically gave him my Toyota RAV4 at the time, so we had something to deal with. And I didn't have a vehicle, and so I just kind of used the Jeep occasionally whenever I had to run to town to go get my Popeyes or something. But uh, Grant was such a good friend. He's like, hey, I'll just sell you mine. I've been wanting to get something else. I'll sell you the Explorer, and Ani can have that, and you can get your RAV4 back. And so, so we did. It didn't work out, though. I mean, there were some problems with the vehicle after we got it, and Grant could not have been more apologetic. And he's like, hey, don't even worry about paying me the rest of the money, man. Don't even worry about it. I'm sorry things didn't work out better. And after I was here, you know, we just didn't talk as often. You know, we didn't have a chance to get together that often. Occasionally, he'd come up here. I'd go down there. We'd get together, have lunch. And then, uh, you know, he'd comment on Facebook stuff or he'd share a post or, you know, back when all the Hugh Free stuff was going on, I'd hear from him and, you know, he was very excited about all that stuff. Biggest story in college football and there, there your boy was right in the middle of it. And eventually we just kind of lost touch. You know, you don't call as often, you don't text as often. You know, usually if something comes up, I remember one of the last times I heard from him was actually the 2017 LSU game. We beat him 37-7. to You know, we were absolutely just steamrolling his Tigers. And I'm on the sidelines, and I get a text from Grant. He goes, hey, how much are you guys paying these refs? You know, typical Grant. And uh, I talked to him after his dad died here a couple years ago, a few years ago. It was tough. You know, I'd lost my dad uh, much earlier. And so was able to provide some insight on kind of how to deal with it and the things that go along with that. And uh, – so it was a tough time. You know, his dad was a former principal there at Eunice High School. Raymond Fontenot was his name, and, and he was Grant's hero. Grant had a lot of respect for his dad, and we lost him. It was kind of a, a tough thing, as it would be for any of us. Losing a parent, no matter the circumstances, is very difficult because it's almost like losing your anchor in life. I mean, like when I lost my dad, it was like it wasn't just all the memories we wouldn't make together, but it was, you know, the, the loss of all of that knowledge about life. You know, being able to pick up the phone and say, hey, this is going on, what do I do? You know, now you don't, have, you don't have those resources available to you. It's a much different thing. And that's one of the things Grant and I talked about. It's just, you know, all the time when something comes up, even if you know what to do, you call your dad just to kind of get the thumbs up, right? It's like, hey, this is, this is the right course of action. So I hadn't heard from Grant in a while. And uh, a lot of it's my fault. I mean, it's a two-way street, right? I mean, he could always call and text me. And, and I remember one of the last things I did with uh, him, we took the family down to uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. He lived on the parade routes. Everybody bulled crawfish, and it was great. Had a great time kind of reconnecting with friends. And, and Graham was the kind of guy, too, that, like, if there was ever anything going on, he wanted everybody to come to his house. Every time, with rare exception. 
He's like, he liked being able to host everybody. We've all got friends like that, right? You know, it's always kind of the center of your social circle. It says, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. A real funny story, though, I'll tell you before we get to uh, the, the meaning of all of this. Is back in 2003, LSU's getting ready to play Oklahoma for the NFL championship. And even though I wasn't an LSU fan, I was happy for my friends, right? I mean, it's like I wasn't happy for LSU. I didn't like LSU. I hated the fact that they owned us. But I was happy for my friends. I was happy for Grant, you know, because in his lifetime, he had never seen LSU, you know, win a national championship. It had happened previously in the 1950s. And so it was a big deal. And so um, I got a call that morning. And uh, that's back when we all had uh, answer machines, right? So you get up and go check your voicemail first thing in the morning, sleeping in. And it's a call from Grant, who has been arrested in New Orleans. Kind of a crazy thing, kind of an entrapment type thing, but it's so typical of Grant. He's down there the night before an Apple Championship game, down there with some friends. Everybody's got tickets to go to the game. And uh, there's a car kind of barreling through the crowd there off Bourbon Street. You know, just kind of you know, being aggressive and honking the horn and sort of stuff. And uh, so Grant threw his beer on the windshield and like, hey, and, and come to find out that all the people inside the car were dressed in Oklahoma gear. And the whole thing was a trap. They jump out, it's New Orleans Parish police officers dressed in Oklahoma gear. So everybody gets arrested. There's like nine or ten people that got arrested. And one of them happened to be a lawyer who represented everybody for free. But uh, that was all handled much later. But so Grant's like, hey, can you come get me? And so, so I make the drive down a bit to uh, New Orleans to go get him. And if you've never bailed a friend out of Orleans Parish Prison, you can understand what a, what a ridiculously long and tedious process it is. So I go down there and I get him. And it's like, so what are you going to do? And he goes, yeah, I had to give up my ticket for the game. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, he goes, they, they told me I could stay in jail another night or I could surrender my ticket and bond out today, which seems to be an incredible, uh, you know, violation of due process. But, uh, but all that said, he gave up his ticket to the NFL championship game. And so he came home and watched it with me. And uh, it means a little more to me today because I found out yesterday, a couple years ago, that my buddy Grant killed himself. And it's so difficult to even say those words. And it's like I hadn't been in touch with him, and I didn't know. And I've had so many people that I reached out to in the last couple of days because he's been on my mind. When I was in Baton Rouge earlier this year for a book signing, went down there, and, and I was like, man, I hadn't heard from Grant forever. And so I looked on his Facebook. His Facebook was gone, which that wasn't atypical for Grant. He was those kind of guys, he'd get sick of it all for a while, and he'd unplug, especially during the political times. You know, he would just unplug things, and he'd deactivate his account and come back. So I get down to Baton Rouge, and I call him. I said, let's go to dinner. And, and uh, his voicemail was changed. There was a lady that answered the, the, you know, on the voicemail. I was like, well, that's weird. And that's kind of stuck with me because I was like, you know, how, this guy was my best friend. I mean, how did I get so much out of touch with him? That I, don't, I don't know his number, his new number. He's changed. You know, what's, what's happened? So, for yesterday, so a couple days ago, I just, I got, I just kind of made it a mission. And... Uh, found out that he passed away. And then I reached out to some of our, our friends in Baton Rouge and, and everybody's like, Steve, oh my gosh, I thought you knew. And here I am living five hours away and nobody told me. And I was like, well, you know, I would at least come for the funeral. And they said, well, he, he left a note and he didn't want a funeral. And he left a note and he told all of us, many of us by name, that he loved us, but he didn't feel worthy of our friendship. 
and he didn't feel that he could love us in a way that we deserved. And that is very difficult to deal with today. Very difficult to deal with today. And so if any of you consider me your friend, let me, number one, apologize for not being a better friend because I talk about being your good friend and host. But also, too, I didn't want to get today off on the, right, the wrong foot, but I didn't want to save this to the end of the show. I wanted to, number one, honor the, the memory of my friend Grant, but also to encourage you to stay in contact with your friends. It does get difficult. Sometimes it feels like a job. It really does. Again, you want to be available to everybody. But one of my friends made the comment and said, you know what, Steve, we never saw this coming. We were around him all the time. We talked to him, texted him just about every day. Never gave any warning signs. Never suggested in any way that he was struggling. So don't take that burden on. Don't feel like, hey, I should have been there. Hey, I should have called. Hey, I should have done that. Because we were all calling. We were all here. And it's almost narcissistic of me to believe that perhaps I could have changed the outcome. But I just want to share that my personal experience with you and encourage you to check on your friends. I talked about this on Facebook yesterday, but I think it's so important you know, to maybe hear my voice and kind of understand how important all that is. And it's like, we, you know, we get so busy, man, chasing this and chasing that. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like, man, I hadn't talked to them in six months. And it's a year. All of a sudden, you get out of the habit of keeping in touch. And then it's like one day you look up and it's like, hey, man, you heard so-and-so's in the hospital. Like, no, how come nobody told me? we got to make it our business and make it our mission to check in on our friends. And, uh, again, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing. I will deal with it. There have been so many people that have reached out and called and said, hey, you know, hey, Steve, sorry you're dealing with this. Even though it's happened some time ago, you know, it's brand new to me. You know, and so I'm dealing with this grieving process now. And so I, I took a couple of days to myself, took the weekend, and uh, just said I wanted to talk about it on the show. And again, I, I hate to be a downer. I, I really do. But I think it's one of those situations that maybe it's a good reminder for all of us. You know what? I got to make sure that people know that I love them. Because I never know what they're dealing with. Never, ever, ever know what they're dealing with. And to say this is a shock is, is to put it mildly. So, uh, Grant, rest in peace. And for the rest of us, let's all, let's all work hard to lift each other up because life is tough. Life is very difficult at times. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. That's a great place to take your friends. Maybe go out and have an adult beverage. Maybe have that great restaurant-quality hamburger as a meal with your friends or your family. Maybe it's a nice family night out. Give mom the night off, Dad. Let's take her out to Bulldog Burger Company. The kids will be glad you did. Not that they're opposed to mom's cooking, but you, you get a chance to go have a hamburger. It's always a great thing. And listen, hamburgers at home are great, but I'll be honest with you, I prefer a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Nobody does it better than Bulldog Burger Company. Go by and see them today. Three great locations to choose from. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the brand-new one Lake Harbor Drive there in the Richmond Flowood area. Be sure and have the spring rolls while you're there. They'll make you better looking. That's right. It's science. It's also in writing, right? And it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder anyway, right? But sometimes I eat spring rolls and I look in the mirror and I think, is that, is that Johnny Depp in the back seat? No, it's me. It's me. It's me looking back at myself. Enjoy those spring rolls. You'll be glad you did. Get that restaurant quality hamburger. Get that chocolate shake to go. And when you're in Stargo, I got that new patio area too. Be sure and go by and check it out if you hadn't been by in a while. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T.
All right, our top story. The Diamond Dogs pick up another big transfer over the weekend. And that's the thing, too. It, it's going to get hot and heavy, right? Then you're going to see decisions made pretty quickly because the fall semester is going to be here before you know it. You know, Paul Skeen's still out there uh, taking some visits. No decision quite yet from him. We're still waiting, still waiting for that decision. So we did get a decision over the weekend, and uh, one of our visitors over the weekend decided, you know what, let's make this thing happen. So shortly after the conclusion of his visit, left-handed pitcher Tyler Davis will be a junior this year from Virginia Commonwealth University, the VCU Rams. You know, we saw them in the regional last year as a freshman. He didn't pitch against us. He did pitch in the regional. But uh, 6'2", 210-pound left-hander, a guy that has worked some out of the bullpen, worked some as a starter. You know, looking at the numbers for uh, his, uh, his freshman year, We'll get to know him pretty good here. So he, uh, he he had 21 appearances during the 2021 season. Ended up with uh, 53 and two-thirds of an innings pitch. That's an awful lot. Gave up 55 hits. That's a hit per inning. That's not great, but, again, it's a freshman. And he pitched some big innings for them, obviously, uh, you know, pitched in the postseason for them. 27 walks against 53 strikeouts as a freshman. You know, it's two-to-one ratio, allowed 12 doubles, one triple, and a couple dingers. Just a one-wild pitch, six hit-by-pitches over the course of a season. Uh, went 9-2 and two on the year with five saves as a freshman. Ended the year with a 4.86 ERA. That's inflated a little bit. It increased by, oh, three-quarters of a run after his second appearance against Campbell. He had one appearance against Campbell in the regional where he got one guy out and had a couple walks. Had a tough time, you know, his first uh, NCAA regional appearance. Comes back in the second one. Campbell got to him a little bit. But, uh, you know, one and two-thirds of an inning, four hits, five runs. But outside of that, he'd been really good. Now, let's take a look at last year's numbers. These are the things, again, it's to watch guys develop. That ERA came down to 3.60. 60 innings pitched for him. Had a five and three record this year. Worked deep into some ball games, usually around 80, 90 pitches or whatever, I guess. Some a little bit longer. But uh, this could be, you know, that left-handed matchup guy out of the bullpen. You know, he's a guy that'll compete. You know, he works some, I guess, as a starter, kind of an opener type guy. But this is a piece that we desperately needed. You know, we talk about, you know. We know what Pico's going to be, right? I mean, you feel, we feel good about Pico. But then you begin to think about, you know, well, what other left-handed arms do you have? Well, you don't have a lot. I mean, you know, Chase uh, – Cole Cheatham, excuse me. Um, showed some real flashes down the stretch last year. I think he's going to be a good piece for us too. But you'd like to have a guy that can work deeper in the ballgames. games. like to have that long reliever. You know, maybe you throw a right-hander out there as an opener and everybody throws all those lefties in the lineup and you bring in that lefty and chew up all those left-handers. So Tyler Davis, one of the better relievers for those guys last year. Let's see, he had 15 starts last year. So more, more of a starter last year. Again, I told you no saves. But look at the numbers. 3.60 ERA, 5-3 record, 17 appearances, 15 starts, uh, 60 innings pitch, which was third on the team. 
47 hits allowed. So now all of a sudden you see that hits per inning number going down. Remember, he was right at a hit per inning. Now he's much less than a hit per inning. 26 runs allowed, 24 of them earned. 21 walks against 63 strikeouts. So now you've seen that strikeout-to-walk ratio elevate from 2-1 to one to 3-1. to one. That's good. Extra base hits about the same. Did give up some home runs last year. Uh, that's something we'll have to kind of work on there. But uh, batting average against was 210. 210. And just the two wild pitches. And six hit by pitches. Back to back year, six wild pitches, kind of part of the deal. Uh, he is a left hander, throws high 80s, low 90s on a great day. But left handers, it's not even really about velo, right? It's about being able to kind of spot things up and get that sweeping change working away. Maybe get the slider kind of wiping out. But we needed a left-hander. We've got a left-hander. This is a guy that uh, has done some pretty big things in his career at VCU. You know, the Rams this year, you know, they had a great winning streak last year. They got high down the stretch this year, too. They went 42-20, and 20-8 at home, 17-11 on the road, 5-1 and on a neutral field, and 19-5 and in the A-10. So he's coming to you from a good program. And so you begin to think about, okay, we have a need – for a left-handed relief specialist, we have now filled that need. Will he challenge on the weekend? Absolutely he will. Will he pitch? Don't know. Don't know if he'll pitch as a starter. But this is a guy now you look at and say, you know what, hey, this is a guy that can probably get me three or four innings on a weekend. Now all of a sudden that's a piece you didn't have last year. How many times last year once we had a starter leave the game, you just kind of held your breath, right? So – Tyler is a guy that's willing to do whatever the team needs him to do. He's going to compete for a starting role. If he doesn't get it, he's going to go to the bullpen. He's going to pitch his tail off for us. Uh, so I'm excited about the addition. A lot more to go. A lot of people are wondering, okay, well, what's, what's next? You know, we've got to get a right-handed power bat somewhere, probably an outfielder. And, again, we need, uh, you know, Chris Simona shared that probably need an infielder to, to give us some depth. Maybe that's somebody that comes from a lower level. Whether it be G5 or D2 or something like that, maybe that's somebody because you think at this point, hey, I need somewhere to play. I'm going to come in and compete. But at the same time, too, I don't want to go somewhere where the roster is stacked. And so you got to get a guy out there that's like, you know what? I need the experience. I'm confident enough in myself. I'm going to go compete. So that's something that, you know, to kind of see what happens. We mentioned Paul Skeens earlier. You're curious to see what Paul Skeens is going to do, you know. And, and listen, he has not set a firm time frame for a decision. We're all kind of waiting along, and this guy's handled things real methodically, very businesslike. Just not quite sure what he's going to do yet. Now, I, I feel good, you know, based on the things that I hear, but as I scour other teams' message boards, there's some confidence in, on those sites too, and that's, that's coming from somewhere. It's not just, uh, you know, blind loyalty. You know, some fans out there to think, oh, we'll get this kid, and they have no connection to the situation whatsoever. But there are still – some rumors out there. And so you got you can't just dismiss all that because it's coming from somewhere. Whether it be, you know, some crazy guy, you know, that knows a guy or texts a guy or whatever in their group chat. They, t- they talked about this and this friend of his dated somebody that one time that worked in this compliance department that had a friend that went to work at this school. You know, it's also convoluted. But it's irresponsible to dismiss it. You know, a lot of discussion about Arkansas and LSU. You know, there's some talk about Oregon State. And it's like, is he going to take that visit or not? If he does, I don't see how Oregon State could compare to Arkansas, Louisiana State, and Mississippi State. I just, I, it's, there's no comparison. When you begin to think about the player experience, you think about, 
the fans, the player amenities, a chance to play against the best players in the country. You talk about elevating your draft stock. That's the best way to do it. You do it against the best competition available. So I believe in the end it's going to be an SEC battle, probably an SEC West battle. Of course, you know, Vandy's been mentioned in connection with him, and then there's all this on-again, off-again stuff with him. It's like not sure if he's going to visit. Yeah, he is going to visit, not sure. And then it's like there's Tennessee who's been involved with him. And so, yeah, at this point we just don't know, but we feel like it's going to boil down to LSU, Arkansas, Mississippi State. We got some connections there. That's helpful. As I shared on the show last week, I mean, if you're LSU, you're going to say, hey, listen, we made a super last year. If we'd had you, we'd have made Omaha. If you're Arkansas, it's like, hey, we made Omaha last year. If we'd had you, we'd have won an NFL championship. And so, you know, the perception in Mississippi State's like, hey, you know, we won an NFL championship last 2021 and a terrible year this year. If we'd have had you, we'd have made a tournament, you know. Um, so you got to deal with some of that. I think we're in a good spot. You just got to keep working. You got to keep working. Got to keep working. And listen, that's not if, – if we get him, we've had an incredible portal class. If we don't, we've still had a great portal class. But let's, let's not sit here and, you know, and cross hairs here. I mean, you know, Paul Skeen's the difference maker. You get that guy, it's huge for your program. He is so significant, he could basically – his commitment could determine the SEC West race. That's how big it is. Because he is going to be a guy that's going to hold down a weekend for you, probably get you eight, nine, ten wins. Yeah, that's how good he is. Whether that's a Friday night guy, Saturday night guy, Sunday guy, whatever. That's a guy on the weekends that can get it done. And so, very highly coveted, Mississippi State, very much in the thick of things. Of course, everybody in the country has reached out to him and tried to get him. And, of course, the fact that State's a blue blood in college baseball, we're in the mix. Got a great opportunity. So, we're in the mix. He's got a couple buddies on the team. We're in the mix. So we'll see how things go. But at the end of the day, it's going to be his decision. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, well, there's this and there's that. And there's the NIL and there's the collectives. And, you know, based on everything that I've heard, on every front, this is a different kind of cat. This is a different kind of guy. This is not a guy that's going to be a sucker for the quick reward. You can say, but Steve, everybody's got a price. It's true. Everybody does have a price. But, uh, you know, when you're a guy, too, that's thinking, you know what, hey, I got to go somewhere that's going to put me in the best situation to potentially be a first or second round draft pick next year, that's going to matter more than maybe a few thousand dollars in NIL. And, and you read a lot of stuff on the Internet because, you know, it's all true, according to Abraham Lincoln. And there are a lot of these things out here, a lot of these deals that get out there that just aren't true. We've looked into them. We've asked some questions. And a lot of these, you're like, oh, well, this guy's getting, you know, $100,000. Well, yeah, it's like over the course of five years, and there's some, you know, some work he has to do, too. It's like people are thinking, well, they're just paying these kids to come attend this school. It's not, it's not that simple. And maybe it should be in the eyes of some. I, I think that we're at a very dangerous juncture in college athletics. I think there are a lot of people that have strong opinions and potentially have some influence that, that are very self-serving in their interests. I don't think they're looking out for the student athlete. They're looking out for themselves. It's like all of a sudden this opens up a new revenue stream for us. You know, forget the schools. You know, forget the fans. It's not even about the players. It's about a contract, right? It's about what can I get for me? What can I do for me? How much money can I put in my pocket? But that's a story for a different day. 
But, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, I think we're down to basically three transfer spots. And, again, to kind of recap, you want Paul Skeens. If you don't get him, you got to get, probably get a starter somewhere, whether it be somebody that's got to compete, right? And the fact that there's now these, these so many guys that were seniors or grad transfers that didn't get drafted, there's going to be some value available in the portal. Not a lot, but there's going to be some. And if you're Mississippi State, you ought to be able to go get one of those guys. And, of course, we got your left-handed specialist now, so now you need another infielder and a right-handed power bat that probably runs the outfield for you. Maybe can play left for you. So, uh, and again, you've got Aaron Downs coming back too. I mean, it's not like the cupboard is bare in that respect, even though the cupboard's been shaken up and turned over and turned upside down and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. We've, we've made some big changes on the roster side of things, but the reality of it is we got some talent. we got some guys coming back that can play a little bit. Now we've added to that talent through the portal and through the signing class. And let's not forget this time last week we were sweating out these signees you don't have to work. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let nerd wallets, trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to the NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. 
future you will thank you. Don't worry about that anymore. Don't have to worry about that anymore. That's now behind us. And, of course, you know, guys are signing now. Logan Tanner's already signed. Congratulations to he and his family. The first of the Bulldogs to sign. Cameron James signing today with the Tampa Bay Rays. And congratulations to the, to the uh, Rays family and the James family. Uh, the James family pretty special to me. R- really, you know, Greg played here. Both of his boys played here. You had a daughter that played softball at Jones, and then uh, now he's, a, he's here at Mississippi State, if I remember correctly. Um, but the reality of it is, is like, you know, these people become like part of our family because they are our family, you know, and it's like it's their kids out there representing all of us. And so, I, you know, I, I get close to the parents. I get close to the players, and you're really happy for them. You know, no, no update on Luke Hancock. I understand there's going to be, you know, some talks this week uh, with him kind of get an idea of what he wants to do of course we want him back Luke Hancock's one of the most beloved Bulldogs of this generation he'd love to have that guy back did he have the year we wanted last year no he didn't but he didn't have the year he wanted either I think that guy can come back and play loose and play free and probably get back to being Luke you know not to mention this time last year you know a lot of people were like we can't let that Hancock kid beat us right so everybody began running the shift they pitched him different you know, and so he's kind of figuring these things out. Luke Hancock is a phenomenal baseball player, and he didn't get drafted. And we knew that it was going to be kind of a risky proposition because he doesn't really project well anywhere than catcher, and he didn't catch a lot last year, and he's had some arm trouble, you know. And so I would love to have seen him get drafted. But now that he's not, let's come back and maybe give it another shot and maybe get drafted next year. And the thing that I think about, too, on the Luke Hancock side of things, I mean, most of his buddies are gone. I mean, that, that's something that's difficult, too. You know, I think sometimes we forget about that. I mean, it's like, you know, Cam and Luke and JT and all those guys came in together. For the most part, you know, they, they played growing up playing ball together. Well, now those other guys are in pro ball, and then Luke's back here. You know, that is something they will have to work through. You know, he and LT, all these guys were great friends. Well, they're all going playing pro ball. And so now – Sure, he could sign some little peanuts free agent deal and go get it started. He could, and that's certainly his right to do so. You know, he may just decide, you know what, I'm tired of going to school. I'm, I'm ready to get married, kind of move on with life. I'm going to give this thing a shot, and if it doesn't work out, I'll go get a job somewhere. That may be his line of thinking. Or he may decide, you know what, you know what? let me, let me use this as motivation. So, you know, I'm going to go back and, and play again, and I'm going to show these people they were wrong about me. I'm going to show them that I can catch. I'm going to show them that I can do this. So he has a decision to make. He does. He has a decision to make, and we support him whatever he does. Very grateful to Luke Hancock for all he's done to contribute to Mississippi State baseball. We'd love to have him back. But if he doesn't, we're going to support him either way. Of course, Landon Sims, no terms yet announced of his deal. We're still waiting to see what KC Hunt's going to do. Certainly expect Jackson Fristo to sign. I mean, every, every indication I got last week, even on the day of the draft, is that he is expected to sign. So – those are things that we'll, we'll kind of follow here in the days to come. We'll share that with you guys, too, on Twitter and on Gene's page as, as those numbers come in. Because here's the thing, too, and I talk about this with people all the time, and I don't think sometimes people get it late. They get it early. And what I mean by that is, like, hey, Mississippi State is a place where you can come and make your dreams come true, right? Hunter Hines, you can come to Mississippi State and be a freshman All-American and – you play here and you get a chance to go play pro ball someday. But then when we get down to it and guys have a decision to make, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, 
man, you know, you need to come back, you need to come back. And we'd like to say it's because we want the best for the players, but truthfully, much of that thinking is rather selfish in nature. We want what's best for Mississippi State, and hopefully that aligns with what's best for the player, right? I mean, let's just be honest about it, right? Selfishly, we want Luke Hancock and Casey Hunt to come back because it, they make us a better ball team, right? Now, there is a part of this, too, you look at and say, well, it gives you a chance to kind of prove yourself and maybe make some more money next year. I mean, you know, Luke's a guy now, was he 23? You know, Luke's a guy that's kind of getting up there in age, and there are a lot of guys out there. Somebody told me recently, like, the numbers. Like, if you're drafted at 23, I mean, it's, it's less than 1% that make it to the show. And so, you kind of got to figure that out. And so, but, you know, let, let's not be disingenuous in our commentary. I mean, you know, we want what's best for Mississippi State. We believe what's best for Mississippi State. Those guys come back. They have to decide what is best for them, and then hopefully that aligns with what we feel is best for Mississippi State. But good, bad, or indifferent, if they leave, I'm very grateful to them for wearing the M over S and representing us with such dignity and class. They were part of an AFL championship team. And then last year, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, many of these guys played harder for you last year than they did in 2021. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as, as this thing kind of began to go sideways, they tried harder and harder and harder because they knew that the pressure of the season rested on their shoulders. They didn't have T.A. and Rowdy and Will Bednar. They didn't have those guys, Lennon Sims. They didn't have them down the stretch. And so they did their absolute best. And I can assure you it wasn't for a lack of effort, wasn't for a lack of trying, lack of care. You know, they wanted to go out there and do it for the M over S. And I can tell you from talking to some of those guys, it is absolutely devastating to them to leave with the 2022 season kind of as their last mark at Mississippi State. I can, I can promise you nobody's like, well, yeah, at least we won an after championship. That's not how they feel. They wanted to win, and then they wanted to come back and have a chance to go defend their NAFL championship, but it didn't work out. And I can tell you nobody wears that more than those players do. And then that's closely followed by the coaches. But I can tell you, because of the fact that I do have some interactions with these families, I do have interactions with these players, I can tell you, nobody wanted it more than they did. Nobody. And so it's something that, yeah, we won the NFL championship, and it's amazing. We've never been done before. We're part of that. But we would like to have left on better terms. I can assure you that's the case. It was never a situation as, oh, we've already won an NFL championship, so I can just go out there and be selfish this year. That was never, never the motivation. All right, time for today's top ten list. How about that? This is a good one today, too. It's, uh, it's brought to you by our friend Blair Chandler. Visit him at closewithblair.com. Great place to do business, and I'm a firm believer in this. I like to do business with Bulldogs whenever I can. Because I feel like we understand each other. Not that I always want the Ken folks discount, but I do. But if I'm going to go spend money, especially on a major purchase, if I got to go spend money anyway, I'd rather give it to one of y'all. Right? That's just how it is. Maybe I feel differently than most people. You know, people are like, hey, you know, Steve, well, I'm looking for the best deal. Yeah, I am too. But I want to get the best deal from a Mississippi State person. And even if the deal is comparable, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to err on doing business with the Bulldog. Because I'm a bulldog, right? That's just, I believe in keeping the family. So Blair is a bulldog, has a place here, 
grad here, season ticket holder in two sports. His phone number, because we're family, 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. So if you're looking to refinance, and maybe you should be, maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck, and maybe you know this the grind of having to fight through all this revolving debt is getting to you. Maybe you hadn't been able to afford to take a vacation. Maybe you need some home improvements done. There's a lot that happens in life that your equity can help you with. Get Blair working with you on that. Or maybe perhaps you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you've been turned down before. Listen, Blair is a guy that kind of deals in hard knock cases, right? He takes them all. Been doing this 21 years, man. He has seen, trust me, there's not a loan application he hadn't seen. There's not an appraisal he hadn't seen. There's just all this all in a day's work. So reach out to Blair at closewithblair.com, at C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com, and mention to him you heard about him on the barnyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. How about that? A lot of people want your business. Blair is proving it by giving you the inside uh, scoop there and uh, giving you the Kinfolks discount by paying for the appraisal. Again, works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the best mortgage companies in the country. Top 1% close ratio in the country, two years running. You know the deal. Closedblair.com. Okay, so here we go. Top 10 list. I tell you guys from time to time, if you send me send me your list, send them to Roy. This is better at Dogmatic67 on Twitter. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Follow him on Spotify, the same uh, username there. But every so often, somebody will send a handful of ideas, and there's one that kind of piques my interest. That's the case today. We'll thank our friend Alyssa, who messages me regularly when there's a ball game going on and like it's like the very first pitch will will like we'll get they'll give up a hit or something ball game you know i have to kind of coax her down off the ledge she's a great bulldog but she reached out and gave me a, a ton of ideas i sent them to roy the one that we're going to do today is a very interesting one it's songs that appeared on the soundtracks were prominently mentioned in John Hughes movies. You say, Steve, okay, I'm a young person. I don't know John Hughes. And you know what? You probably know his work maybe without knowing his name. We knew his name because we were all teenagers in the 80s, and John Hughes was writing these incredible movies about us. And it was, you know, there was teen angst, teen angst, teen angst and love and craziness and irreverence, and we loved it. And these movies are legendary in American cinema history. So he's done a bunch of other stuff, but we're going to focus on the teen movie stuff. He did some great stuff later on, you know, with Uncle Buck and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and those are all great too. But we're going with kind of the, the five-pack here, six-pack, I guess, of the teen movies. Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Some Kind of Wonderful. That's an incredible contribution right there. Like, if he never did anything else, these are legendary movies. Maybe some kind of wonderful, maybe not be quite as uh, well-known as some other ones. It's a good one. Leah Thompson's in that movie. So we're going to pick these through. Now, one of the things I want to say, I was very specific with the list because I was so inspired by this, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to go pick a bunch of classic songs that just happen to appear in the movie. Like, John Hughes is clearly a big Beatles fan. Clearly, because the Beatles show up a lot, you know, like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you've got that legendary parade scene and everybody's singing Twist and Shout. Well, that didn't make the list. 
okay? And then you remember in 16 Candles when Anthony Michael Hall is uh, trying to pick up Molly Ringwald and he's like, you say it's your birthday. That's a Beatles song. So I didn't want to just kind of do the same old songs in a different order and just kind of put a John Hughes rapper on it. So I went with songs that were specific to the 80s. Many of these were on the motion picture soundtrack. We talked about that earlier uh, in, in the month. You know, we actually had motion picture soundtracks that were released as albums. Many of these songs released on those motion picture soundtracks. And John Hughes is a big proponent of that because he felt that, that was good marketing because all of a sudden the videos get on MTV and, and usually what they did on those videos is they, they were basically glorified trailers for the movies. But there's some legendary songs. And what's funny, a lot of songs that were on motion picture soundtracks were kind of outtakes. You know, they were songs that maybe weren't good enough to make an album. Maybe they were a B-side or whatever. There were not a lot of songs that were written specifically for movies. You know, Blaze of Glory by John Bovey, maybe John Bon Jovi, maybe different. Um, he actually went and watched the movie and then wrote the song. Kind of like uh, uh, the song Iris from uh, City of Angels. They watched the movie and then went and wrote and scored that song. Because I'd give up forever to touch you that's what that's about that's about that movie all right so let's get to it and again these are songs that are very 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 80s and a lot of them are not big hits but they're songs that you'll remember when you hear them you're like oh my gosh i remember this all right from some kind of wonderful your number 10 song is from a, a band called flash for lulu and a song is called i go crazy it's kind of a synth pop thing a little bit up tempo pretty cool little track it's number 10 because there's kind of some legendary stuff at the bottom of this list. Number nine, this is a song from 16 Candles. Late in the movie, it comes on, and it's like one of, it's one of those songs, too, that kind of lifts the scene. It's a song from General Public called Tenderness. And I think this is probably a song that most people would have never heard if they not seen the movie. I think the movie made this song a bit of a hit. All right, number eight, from also from the 16 Candle soundtrack, and this is kind of what the movie ended up with. This was kind of like the final score. It's the Thompson Twins is um, If You Were Here. If You Were Here from the Thompson Twins, and of course, you know, it's Anthony Michael Hall and Jake Ryan, and everybody, they end up being with who they're supposed to be with, and this song plays in the background. All right, going back to some kind of wonderful... Now, this is a band, too, and this will give me a chance, too. You're going to think, Steve, well, you're just kind of trumping on music you didn't like. So the alternative music in the 80s, while a lot of people look back at that with this big feelings of nostalgia, a lot of these bands couldn't play, and a lot of these singers couldn't sing, but their lyrical content resonated with some people. Like, there were a lot of people that say, yeah, I, you know, listen, you put on Motley Crue and Rad, and that, that's all cool, but I, I just can't identify with those guys. I mean, you know, you got guys, you know, dressing like women and singing like guys, and, you know, it just it, it doesn't resonate with me, you know. And so it resonated with me. I just wanted to rock. I didn't care what they were wearing. That's up to them. Making a difference to me, how people look and dress and whatever, whatever. But I loved it. But there were some people who were like, you know what, that just doesn't, you know, all that over-the-top stuff, you know, the Marshall Stacks and – you know, the big light show, I just want to go in and watch a band play. And so college rock kind of gave way, in many respects, to a new wave of early alternative music. And it really is 
the genesis of all of this is the 80s. And a lot of this is represented in these motion picture soundtracks because these were bands that were trying to make it. So to get one of their songs associated with the motion picture soundtrack gave them access to a new fan base. And that was the case for the group The Jesus and Mary Jane. The Hardest Walk is our track today. But they're a band too. Like I, I've got some guys that message me all the time, like, Steve, you don't do enough 80s alternative. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of it's because I didn't like it, but also, too, I don't want to disrespect you guys. I got one guy that's on me all the time, and I say, hey, send me your list. I will listen to it, then I will rank them as I like them. Okay, so that may not be your favorites at the top. I will give it a good go. So we're going to work on that uh, here in the next uh, week or two. Number six, I like this song. This was an alternative song, but these guys could actually play. It's a band called Killing Joke. And the song is 80s, which is very, uh, you know, typical, right? Great track from, from the uh, Weird Science soundtrack. And if you don't know the Weird Science movie, what are you doing with your life? I mean, like, at that, after watching that movie, we all fell in love with Kelly LeBrock. She was originally in uh, The Woman in Red. Here's a little trivia question for you, too. That was one of the first PG-13 movies. The very first one was Red Dawn, but The Lady in Red... It was like this whole wave of movies came out at one time with a PG-13 ranking, which made us want to go see it even more because it wasn't rated R, but it wasn't PG. It was kind of somewhere in the middle, right? But um, listen, you know, the word science, it was just kind of a cautionary tale. It's like, hey, you go get your dream girl, then you find out kind of who you really are and who you really want. And so while the movie is very over the top and very funny and uh, a lot of teen sophomoric humor in it, it's a pretty good message in the movie. Uh, but Killing Joke, a great one. All right, number five, one of my favorite bands from the 80s that's not from Los Angeles on the Sunset Strip. It's a band called NXS. That's right. And here, you know, they had What You Need. And it's so many great songs. Michael Hutchins, beautiful man, beautiful singer. Had a very untimely death. He was an addict. If you've never watched that um, documentary, on Michael Hutchins and uh, Sir Bob Geldof and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's a very sad story, and some people die. But in the end, you know, Bob, Sir Bob Geldof actually comes off looking like one of the greatest men in the world. And remember, he's got to put Live Aid together too. But, um, you know, that, that guy took on some responsibilities that weren't his own because they were the right thing to do. But uh, NXS, man, the, the glory of Michael Hutchins – the song off the Pretty in Pink soundtrack is Do What You Do. And again, it feels like a B-side, right? It's like you put it on there and you're like, this doesn't sound as good as the stuff, you know, like on kick. It just doesn't. It's around this, like the instrumentation is similar, but you're like, that doesn't have the hook. Not quite as catchy, but still a good song. NXS, Do What You Do, your number five song. Number four, we're going back to Weird Science. We're going with a title track from the great group Oingo Boingo. That's right. And you may remember, too, Oingo Bongo had a, a, they had a one-off in uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. They sang that song, It's a Dead Man's Party. And that movie is not a John Hughes movie, but it is great. It's great. Andrew McCarthy is in there, Robert Downey Jr. It's a great movie. The triple ending, right? Sam Kennison, God rest his soul. But Oingo Bongo's Weird Science from the same movie. That's your number four song. Okay, now the top three... I think everybody knows these songs. They remember these songs. And if you were a child of the 80s or teenager of the 80s, you probably had these on cassette. 
Many of you may have them on your playlist today. I mean, you know, we were all so cool and hip now. We don't have to go buy music. It just all goes right to our phone. From the Ferris Bueller soundtrack, from the band Yellow, it was kind of way ahead of the game when it came to kind of this, you know, synth pop electrical instrumentation thing. It's the song, Oh Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not going to sing it, but you know what I'm talking about. There's all this craziness in that movie, and there's all this. This song is played in the background. It is an incredible song, way ahead of the curve. And again, that's from the Ferris Bueller Day Off soundtrack. Number two, from the Pretty in Pink soundtrack, and you've heard this a million times, the band is called OMD, which stands for Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. And the song is If You Leave. If You Leave, Don't Leave Now. It's a great one. It's very, very 80s. Very, very 80s. Kind of this lover's lament. And then, you know, it's kind of that soft pop teen type thing. It, it just fit, right? And I like it more in hindsight because back in those days, you know, like I'm like, can, can we get this off? I'd, I'd like to hear Anthrax, you know. Um, but number one, and I think this is, I think this is probably a unanimous, unanimous selection. I think if I polled all you guys, you would have this song number one. And it is our only song on the list from the John Hughes classic movie, The Breakfast Club. My kids love The Breakfast Club. I suspect your kids will do. I think teenagers around the world, especially you know American teenagers, I think if you watch it, you identify with one of those characters. I think it is probably indicative of high school life anywhere, but especially in America. But it's the, the song, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Great song. You know, of course, that plays at the end and... You know, there's John Bender walking across the football field, and, you know, he's traded earrings with uh, Molly Ringwald, which, I mean, that kind of stuff never happened. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It didn't happen, you know. John Bender, the loser from the smoker section, never got, you know, Katie Poplar. It just, did, just didn't happen, right? Um, but this is one of those songs that really kind of catapulted Simple Minds to a career. They were just kind of out there kind of as a uh, modern pop band and then next thing you know because of that scene in that movie a lot of people kind of attach some affection for those characters onto that song and you, you listen to the song and you can kind of see it all in your head but uh, breakfast club an american classic and we thank john hughes god rest his soul for his contributions to our life so th- Alyssa, thanks for the idea hope you guys enjoy the top 10 but again n- not a lot of hits on this list but i'm telling you when you hear these songs all of a sudden there's going to be this uh this familiar refrain and then like all of a sudden you're going to think am i wearing like that electric youth perfume from debbie it's like all of a sudden you're going to be transformed back because music is the ultimate time machine so hopefully you'll enjoy this list today and if you have ideas for the top 10 list reach out and let us know again it's best if you hit up roy if you send them to me i'll do my best to screenshot them and send them to roy so we can kind of get them on our list Uh, we appreciate your support of the top 10 list and uh, again, Dogmatic67 on Twitter and on Spotify to kind of keep up. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. I went by there on uh, Saturday, and uh, it is phenomenal. Absolutely. If you hadn't been in a while, I encourage you to go. It's probably three times bigger than before. They have moved the bully shop upstairs. You don't have to walk downstairs. Downstairs kind of off limits now. But the selection at Campus Bookmart has never been better. Never been better. 
So go by and check out the new selections and the new renovated bully shops. It's going to be a big year this year. It's going to be a great fall. Go ahead and outfit your family in latest from Mississippi State merch by going and shopping in person or visit them online. I encourage you out-of-state Bulldogs to patronize Starkville businesses. I know you love this place like we all do. Maybe you don't live here, but you, it's a special place to you. And so let's patronize these local businesses and Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillean institution. Check them out at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. That's campusbookmart.net. Okay, so this Friday, we're going to have Top Dog Camp, the final summer prospect camp of the year. You know, the dead period uh, lifts this week. There's a lot going on. So you'll have some guys on campus. So a lot of people are like, hey, Steve, so what should we expect? Well, let me tell you what to expect, okay? That's why you tune in, right? It's like I, I want to get some insider information, Steve. I don't just want to have somebody recap ball games. So that's why you're here. That's why we started the show in the first place. You know, Mississippi State, I think it's recruiting at a pretty good level. I wouldn't say great yet, but we could change that very, very soon. There's not anybody in the class I would throw back, though. And that isn't always the case. Mississippi State currently sits with nine commitments. That's Ty Jones, the highest-rated commitment. He is an athlete, running back, linebacker out of Bay Springs, Mississippi. Joe Crocker, offensive tackle, our most recent commitment, uh, jumped in the boat here on July 18th, a week ago today. Seth Davis, the running back from Katy, Texas, led 6A Texas high school football in rushing last year. Very explosive player. Not the biggest guy, but a guy that's very good in the open field. Malik Ellis, the top-rated offensive lineman in the state of Mississippi. Committed to Mississippi State way back in April. Nikai Poole, a 50-offer recipient wide receiver from Norcross, Georgia, 6'3", 205. Joseph Head, one of the first to jump in the boat this year, out of Holmes County uh, High School there in Lexington, Mississippi, a 6'4", 210-pound edge, committed back January 22nd. Has not wavered in his decision since that time. Jalen Abram, the guy that committed shortly after uh, coming to Mississippi State for a camp back on June 18th, he was set to take an official visit. Um, that got canceled. He says, you know what, let me just go ahead and make the move here. I don't want to waste anybody's time. Kelly Jones from Clarksdale, you know, you guys know that I'm a big proponent of his. Could be a corner, could be a safety, like his length, like his athleticism. The lowest rated recruit in the class, which, which is not a negative. I think when you look at the guys that are available to Mississippi State in this class, I think, number one, this guy is underappreciated as a recruit. But it's safety Dante Kelly out of LaFleur County. That's over in Itabina, Mississippi. Just under an 85, 247 sports composite, 6'3", 203 pounds. I can really play. So that's what you have right now. So, Steve, who are the new toys, right? Who, who are the names we should expect? Well, I feel really good about Zakari Tillman. He is an athlete. I believe he will be a Mike linebacker in this scheme. 6'2", 230 pounds. Got a handful of offers. I, I'm To be honest with you, I thought Ole Miss would offer him early on. There are some Ole Miss connections around him. We feel like we'll be fighting that the entire process. That said, 
They camped him, didn't offer him, which surprises me. But, you know, their strategy is a little different than ours. And, again, not being critical, it may work. He has offered some UL Lafayette, Louisiana Tech, Memphis, Mississippi State, so they're missing two lanes. So we are the only Power 5 offer. I am perfectly okay with that. We offered him very early. You watch his film. You won't have any questions about his ability. Came to camp last month. I really thought something would happen sooner rather than later with him. I think he wanted to get out and go camp and kind of see what things look like and kind of how everybody was uh, receiving him. And I think now he realizes he is very much a priority to Mississippi State. So we'll see how that goes. But um, I expect him to be a Bulldog. I think there's a good chance it happens this weekend. He's coming back. Mom, family members, I think his grandparents coming with him. Traditionally, you don't put Memo and Papa in the car just to go take a trip, Right. You're making a memory. You want them to be there. So we're just kind of reading the tea leaves there. It makes perfect sense, right? Perfect sense for him to go ahead and pull the trigger. You know, we had some commitments last year uh, around this time. We were hoping Stone Blanton would do something R.J. Moss did and ultimately didn't end up in the class. But uh, your top dog camp is really the last chance for a lot of these guys to kind of commit in person. And a lot of guys want to get it done so they can focus on their senior seasons. And that's always a good thing to do. There's a lot of people out there that get caught up in the recruiting hype. I won't mention any names, but there's some guys in the past. And it's like the spring of their junior year, they start getting all these offers. And, and rather than motivating them to be a better player, it kind of changes them in a, negative, in a negative way. So they get this senioritis disease, right, where it's like I'm so focused on recruiting, I've lost track of what matters most. And you have some guys that have a bad senior year. And historically, and this dates back to the Dan Mullen era, you know, when guys don't have a good senior year, we move on from them. It's one thing if a guy gets hurt, but we've had some guys in the past, and just, you know, like looking last year, you know, we had some guys that were committed to us, didn't come to camp, didn't work out, hung in there with them, saw some early senior film and figured it out. You know, hey, this is not a kid. It's tough enough to play here, so we're going to make a decision to move on. We did, and we'll do it again, and it's the right decision. You know, it's one thing that I'll say about Joe and uh, Joe Moorhead – a great man, just didn't win enough here, and we had some off-the-field issues. But, uh, you know, Joe was the guy, like, once he offered and committed a kid, Joe was like, you know what, I'm in with him. I'm going to stick with it. And while that's noble, it's not good business. It's just not. There's just not a lot with that. I mean, I admire the integrity and the intention behind all of that, but the reality of it is is that, um, you know, you're paid to win, and then how many of those guys did we hang on to that ultimately hit the transfer portal because they couldn't play here, right? So you got to make sure your evaluation is sound. And I think our evaluation on Zakari Tillman is sound. We're the first school to offer him. A lot of people jumped in after the fact. Uh, he was a safety when we first started recruiting him. You see him now. He's clearly going to be a linebacker. And, again, he'll get in the weight room and kind of, kind of bulk up a little bit. But uh, I'm excited about his potential. Now, speaking of linebackers, the hot name right now, is Tobias Hinton out of Hattiesburg. We have talked about him before on this show. When we had him in the June camp, I thought he was good, boring on really good, but not great. Thought he was good, not great. Uh, he is currently ranked as the fifth player in the state of Mississippi. Straight line fast. He's got good film. He's played largely out of position in high school, but uh, he will be a linebacker, maybe you know, a weak side guy in this scheme. Uh, has good production, 6'3", 215 pounds. Again, came in good straight line speed. Wasn't really good in space. 
But some of that you begin to realize, too, you know, this is a guy that's played with his hand in the ground a lot, so he doesn't have a lot of experience playing in space. Does he have the raw materials to be a good SEC player? And I believe yes. I think you go take him now because if you wait till halfway through his senior year, you're going to have a lot of people kind of jumping on board there, and you're going to have a fight on your hands. And, and their whole rallying cry is going to be, well, you know, where was Mississippi State when, uh, when we wanted you? You know, all of a sudden they're getting involved. You know, now all of a sudden you, know, you wanted to commit there and they weren't ready to take you. We're ready to take you. And so that's how recruiting works. But uh, he is ranked as a four-star by 247 Sports. His composite rating is just under a four. He's right there at 89. And to be honest with you, I think he is appropriately ranked for now. I think once you see some senior footage and you see him in his more natural and projected position, I think you're going to be able to reevaluate him and maybe squeeze out a point or two and get him into the four-star range on a composite level. I think the guy can. I think the guy's a really good athlete. And so there was some talk, hey, we're going to wait, maybe see what it looks like in the senior season. But it's like, you know what, he's ready to go. Okay, so let's go ahead and take him. I think it's the right decision. I said early on after the June camps that if we're going to take three to four linebackers, he would be in my three or four. I don't think you got to leave the state to fill your linebacking needs. I think Ty Jones ultimately will be a linebacker. I think he can play wherever he wants to. But you get Ty, you get Zakari, and all of a sudden you can be selective. Does that mean LeKendrick James? Does that mean an out-of-state guy? Don't know yet. But the reality of it is I believe Tobias Hinton is set to be a bulldog, and he is expected to be in town this weekend. It would be a good get for Mississippi State. And, again, that would take you to 11 commitments. And, again, a lot of those are in-state guys. And I don't think we're going to have to go out-of-state – to fill many of our needs on the defensive side of the football because it is such a good year in-state. Not a lot of corners. There's some developmental corners out there. You know, Jalil Fleming from Vicksburg is a guy that I like a lot that doesn't have an offer yet from Mississippi State. He will camp this weekend. And I think he's a guy that could, could play his way in. You know, and Jalil's a guy, too. Like, if you look at his film, and I think there's no question he'll make the Miss Al game. This is a guy that's uh, already got a handful of offers, but they're all G5s. But he's in your home state, and he's also um, teammates with Caleb Bryant, who's uh, currently committed to Utah. And if I was to put a list of guys like the five most likely to flip to Mississippi State, Caleb would be number one on that list. But, again, a lot of, you know, G5 and some FCS offers for, uh, for Fleming. This kid can really run. He's a long, rangy guy. And sometimes you ask yourself, you know, are we that much smarter than everybody? No, we're not. But – the reality of it is, is I think when you have guys that are raw athletes in your state that have the potential to develop, and you begin to think about, okay, look at this cornerback room. You got Marcus Banks. You got DeCarlos Nicholson. You're going to have those guys for a couple years. That gives this kid a chance to develop a little bit. And then you begin to realize, okay, well, if I have to go back in the portal to find a guy that can play opposite him, I can do that, or I hope I can do that. But I think that's another guy to watch this weekend. Now, the big name that everybody's talking about is Chris Parson. What is Chris Parson going to do? Now, Chris expected to be here this weekend. I don't think he makes it Friday. If he does, he probably makes it late. And maybe that's better. Maybe that way you've got the full day on Saturday. Now, you'd like for him to be there Friday to kind of interact with recruits. But if he's not, I think it's okay. You're here Saturday. Maybe you stay the night. You got family in town. Is the decision imminent? I think it could be. I think it could be. I think Chris is a guy, too, that kind of wants to get this done again before he gets into, uh, you know, his senior season. 
in as a quarterback. You want to get it done in the spring, ideally, and Chris Doughty had it done. He recently shared on Instagram you know, a picture of him in a Mississippi State uniform wearing number one, Chad Bumpus's number, right? And his comment was, Mississippi State fans are going to go crazy when they see this. And it is crazy. You know, his dad, Lamont, attended school at Mississippi State, got a master's degree elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy that's got some roots in Starkville. This is a guy that has family here in Starkville, and he's a guy, too, that kind of revolutionizes the air raid a little bit. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to our current quarterbacks by any stretch. But this guy, Chris Parson, is a better athlete than some of those guys. Like, if you lined up in a foot race, if he has to tuck it and go, he's a little more of a weapon than some of our guys. Some of our guys, they need to be in a pass-first offense because that's what fits the skill set. Chris is not a typical dual-threat guy. He wants to play in a pass-first scheme. He wants to get things together. wants to be able to, to demonstrate that he can throw the football. He didn't just want to be a one-read quarterback and just tucks it and goes. And There have been some successful guys that have used that formula over the years, but I think Chris is a guy that wants to be coached and wants to be developed uh, into more of a passing-type quarterback. He's got a good arm now. I mean, he makes the Elite 11 Finals for a reason. You may have seen over the weekend, too, or last week, that uh, Dak Prescott – Sent out a message. Happy birthday to Chris Parson. Can't wait till you're a Bulldog. Now, how about that? How about that? The Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys sending a message or putting a video out there. Can't wait to see your Bulldog. I mean, come on. You know, we talk at times about, hey, you know, nothing ever happens, you know, and it's like, oh, we're so upset because – you know, Fletcher Cox said his high school on TV, you know, what's, what's, what's up with that? And you got Dak Prescott, arguably the, uh, you know, the greatest quarterback in the history of Mississippi State University out there wishing to recruit well on, on social media. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, right? Don't you think that meant something to the kid? What would it mean to your kid? Not even forget the fact that your kid's probably not going to be a quarterback. But you get the stamp of approval, the greatest quarterback that's ever played at Mississippi State, a guy that goes publicly. Didn't just send it privately, publicly. It's pretty incredible. And so when I think about, you know, some of the criticisms of the Mike Leach, you know, recruiting efforts, I, I look at that sort of stuff, and I don't know that anybody put it, put Dak up to it. Somebody may have put a bug in his ear. But the reality of it is this is big-time type recruiting. And so, again, I expect Chris Parson to be the quarterback. Does it happen this weekend? I'm kind of leaning in that direction. I don't know for sure, but I'm kind of leaning in that direction. It's because of the fact it's getting late. Right? It's almost August. You know, first day of school is tomorrow in Starkville, which is weird. I mean, like, I remember, I remember it was almost a revolt when I was in high school, and um, we didn't start the Monday after Labor Day. We started, like, the Monday before Labor Day. And then we got the Labor Day holiday off, and it's like, come on, you know. Well, it's it almost like we were being prisoners, you know. It's like, and now look at these kids. Now they're going to school a month before we all did. Whatever. I'm glad this is my last year dealing with that. I can promise you that. My last year, my youngest, Ian Robertson, is a senior at Starkville High School, and so we won't have to deal with the year-round school schedule next year. All the Robertson kids will have graduated, three of them from Starkville High School. So I think about this deal with Chris – you're not to chase the first day of school rabbit trail for very long. There's not a lot of pressure to commit, but you also don't want to put pressure on the school you're going to commit to. 
You don't want Mike Leach sitting around thinking, man, what are we going to do about a quarterback? You know, do, we, do we wait this kid out? I mean, we, we've given him our best shot, and he still don't want to come here. What do we do? Do we go chase somebody else? What's left this late in the game in the quarterback era? And, again, you know, State's offered just, what, eight quarterbacks in this, in this class? You know, what do you do? Do you recalibrate and go get a, you know, a guy that's a, you know, maybe beneath what you want as a quarterback? Do you just decide to punt? You know, I think it's Chris Parson. And I think the reason that State hadn't offered other quarterbacks is because they think it's Chris Parson. You know, when things started going south with Brock Glenn and Paul Jones and I were both talking about, yeah, you know, things, you know, you seem like it was a done deal. Then all of a sudden it's like he seems to be him hauling a bit. And then we go out and offer Chris Parson. It's like the, as soon as we get, began to realize this Brock Glenn thing wasn't going to work out, we made a pivot and offered Chris Parson. And I'll be honest with you, and I know that people at Florida State will disagree with me because, you know, they're biased as well. If you had told me we could get Chris Parson over Brock Glenn back when I thought Brock Glenn was trending to Mississippi State, I'd have made that trade 100 times in a row. Nothing against uh, Brock Glenn. I think he's going to be a great college quarterback. And, again, I think it says a lot about Mississippi State that they were on him first for the most part. So, we're, you know, we're on the right kids. We, we clearly identified him early and evaluated him correctly because now he's got offers, you know, from Auburn and Georgia and Florida State and Ohio State. And first there was us. But if you had told me two months ago, hey, if you had your pick between Chris Parson and Brock Glenn, I would pick Brock Glenn – excuse me, I would pick Chris Parson and never look back. And so, basically, we're able to make that trade. And when is the last time – I mean, honestly, think about this. And we touched on this a while back. When is the last time that Mississippi State had Florida State gearing down when it came to quarterback recruiting? Right? We're going to get the guy they had, and they're going to get the guy we thought we had. I, oh, okay. I'm good with that. But how many times in our history have we made a Power 5 school nervous about a quarterback? I mean, in the modern era, I can't think of any. I mean, truly. I'm sure Sawyer Robertson's uh, suitors probably said, hey, you know, he likes Mike Leach. That may be some trouble. But, you know, this was a – Chris Parson was committed to Florida State. He wasn't just a guy on a recruiting board. He was committed there. He was still committed there when we offered him. He was still committed there when he came and visited our campus. And all of a sudden, he goes to lead 11 and then decommits. And so I think that's rather interesting you know, that it shows me that Mike Leach is kind of throwing his weight around a little bit. You know, when we hired Dan Mullen, that was all the talk, right? Well, Dan's going to get us in the door with some big-time quarterbacks because there, how many years have we had a great defense and really good offensive line and some pretty decent skill and hadn't had a quarterback? And we are like, you know what, Dan Mullen's going to open some doors for us that have been closed in the past. Didn't happen. Honestly, didn't happen. And he said, but we got Dak. Yeah, we got Dak almost kind of by default because we were really the only Power 5 school chasing him when he committed. And he also committed to Big Dog Camp, the night of Big Dog Camp. <clears throat> so Joe Moorhead comes in, and we get go get Garrett Schrader. And, and at the time, that was a big, big deal. You know, you, you go beat Penn State for him. It was a big deal. And uh, I'm still a Garrett Schrader fan. He didn't fit in this scheme. We thought he might. He didn't. 
Keaton Thompson, that was a big get for Dan Mullen. Beat a lot of people for him, and he's still playing. I think he's on the Casey Clawson Memorial Scholarship there at Virginia. But by and large, Mike Leach has taken our quarterback recruiting to a different level. And I don't think we're done with that. I think what's going to happen when people see what Will Rogers has done, and listen, I love Will Rogers, okay? Absolutely love Will Rogers. Now, Will is not this prototypical NFL quarterback prospect. He's not. He's a little bit undersized. Doesn't have the strongest arm. Really smart with the football. He's an accurate passer. He's a great leader. But you've got to think at this point that there will be greater quarterbacks to follow Will Rogers. Like, Will is doing some historic things for us, and not just for our record books, but for the Southeastern Conference. And I think that's really just kind of scratching the potential on what the quarterback position could be at Mississippi State. I think Will is kind of like the forerunner for a really good generation of quarterbacks here at Mississippi State. I think because of Will's success, we're going to be able to attract a much better quarterback than we have historically. And so you look, Will Rogers you know, had a handful of offers out of high school, and again, not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, but a guy that understands the offense, a guy that knows where to go with the football. Does he make some mistakes? Yeah, he does, but not very many. And that's only going to get better. And so, again, I think Will is kind of a precursor to probably a quarterback room that maybe we've never seen in our program's history. All right, let's thank our friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Portico, I would move there now. If I was moving to Starkville, I'd move to Portico now. I kind of got that screwed up. I'm sorry. But uh, listen, if you're thinking about getting a place in Starkville, maybe it's time you stop thinking and start doing. And there are a lot of people out there, oh, well, there's Steve, there's this. No, no. no. To that own self be true. If you're ready to get a place, look no further than Portico. Hit up my friend, your friend, Mississippi State's friend, Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Brooks will get all the information you need. And if you're, if you're looking now and you're shopping and your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico to you, maybe you should ask why. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, and that's why you moved to Starkville in the first place, right? Why not be right there near the action? But, you know, close enough for convenience, far enough away for some privacy. It's right off of Highway 12. You take 82, get on 12 like you're going to campus, the very first right is Pat Station Road that takes you to Portico. That's how close you are. But, again, you're tucked away in a little neighborhood there. And when you get ready to go to the ball game, it's like when I mean, you're there in, what, five minutes, you know, including traffic? Think about that for a second. Other people are going to say, oh, you need to get a place down South Montgomery. That way you can fight all that stupid traffic like we all have. No, I don't want to have that. You don't want to have that either. Maybe those neighborhoods appeal to you. I looked at all that. Nothing against the people who live out there. But uh, I didn't want to deal with all that traffic. It's crazy to me. I left Baton Rouge. The thing I missed the least about Baton Rouge is traffic. I want to move down here and move right into the biggest traffic area we have, you know. And, again, if you live there, no offense to you. It just wasn't for me. I think a lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to move to Starkville and find a place. Whether it be your retirement home, your ballgame weekend retreat, or your primary residence, Portico has a place for you. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And, again, you're right there within shouting distance of the Mississippi State campus. What could be better than that? Again, hit Brooks up today. Give it that number one more time. 601-416-8075.
All right, let's spend our last few minutes together and let's talk a little bit about the uh, the new transfer rule proposal. It's like we're basically, what, what, 15 months into the transfer process, it allows for immediate eligibility. It's like we, so two years ago, we instituted the portal. Then we said, okay, immediate eligibility for everybody. And I'll be honest with you, I was not in favor of that. And let me tell you why. So my attitude about that was this, is I think everybody should have a waiver. So like, say for an example, if a kid is transferring from Mississippi State to Southern Miss, if those two schools agree on the immediate eligibility, then boom, it's done. There's no need for it to go before a committee. There's no need for us to have a hearing. There's no need for anybody to push any paperwork. Southern Miss would apply for the waiver. Bracky Brad, Mississippi State, would, John Cohen would sign off, say, yep, we're absolutely okay with this. Boom, we're finished. But if a school has an issue with it, maybe you're transferring to a competitor, transferring within your division, or transferring to a – you know, maybe you've got an issue there. You, you get maybe given a competitive advantage to them. Yeah, I thought that was a good thing, right? So you can transfer anywhere except for a team that your school is about to play, unless there's, you know, extenuating circumstances. Well, nobody asked me, so they just said, you know what? It's going to be available to everybody. There's going to be a one-time transfer, so if you get in a bad situation, you can just leave. Well, now they're trying to say that people can transfer multiple times, so on first blush, I was like, I don't like this. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? And at the end of the day, I start thinking, how many people is this actually going to impact? There's a lot of people that go into the portal and a lot of people that don't come out of the portal. And a lot of people that go in, that maybe marginal signs from their previous school. Maybe they're a developmental guy. They don't develop and they go in the portal thinking, well, it's the coach's fault. And then nobody picks them up. They got to pay for school, Right. And then there are others that transfer, and many of them later in their careers because they're trying to get to the Power Five and prove what they can do. But there, there's not a ton of stars that are multi-seasonal transfers. You know, my cop Polk showed up here, and we're thinking we'd have him for two years. We had him for one. But how many people is this going to impact? I don't think it's going to be that many. I really don't. And to be honest with you, if a guy, I don't, I don't want anybody to be here that doesn't want to be here. And that's from the coach to the cleaning staff. I don't want anybody here that didn't want to be here. Now, my concern is, is what are we, what are we teaching people? Because it's still, you know, we're an institute of higher learning. What are we teaching people about life and about adversity and things like that? It's like, well, you know, if you don't like your situation, you can just keep running. Well, I don't want that player on my team anyway. Because if he'll run then, he'll run when it's fourth and goal at the one in Tuscaloosa. You can't count on that player. And so I'm not butthurt about this. You know, when if, again, first blush, I'm like, this is so stupid. It's like, okay, well, you just transfer whenever you want to. You know, and so I'm just like, we're basically saying, I mean, you know, wh- why do we even have the name, image, and likeness legislation the way that it is if we're going to allow this? You know, it's like, how many of these transfers? How many guys are going to use this? And there'll be some. There'll be a lot of them. There'll be some, though. How many guys are going to use the transfer portal as lottery ticket? What kind of safeguards are we going to put in place to prevent that from happening? It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I was a superstar at Southern Miss. I'm going to transfer to Mississippi State. Well, then I have a big year at Mississippi State. Well, then all of a sudden Ohio State or Miami or somebody contacts my 707 coach and is like, hey, we can work out a deal. We'll get him here. And then he goes there. And so 
I think we're making it easier for kids to quit. And that's really what it, what it, what it, what it is. You know, there are always some circumstances that are not advantageous for a student athlete. You know, maybe you have a sick relative back home or maybe you get buried down the depth chart or perhaps there's a coaching change, a change in offensive philosophical scheme, and you don't fit the scheme. You know, what if you're a fullback in an option-style offense they bring in a guy running the spread? Well, you know, you're not going to play. So it makes sense. But basically we're just saying, you know what, hey, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. I just don't know if that's the best course of action. But all that said, do what you do. Now, the one thing I do like, and there was some talk here a few months ago that we, we didn't have the support for this, so it'll be interesting to see how this vote goes. I don't know why anybody would be against this. You know, there are a lot of people out there that don't use good common sense. It's like, well, think of this. Think, you know, listen, these transfer windows, that thing's got to pass. That, that, we talk about we've done so much for student-athletes, and, and we should – Right? I mean, they're the ones you know, making the contribution, right? We hadn't done a whole lot to protect the teams. And he said, but Steve, the coach, I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about the teams. What about all these teams? And your coaches are a little bit part of that. But what about all the guys who are like, I'm committed to the school. I'm going to stay here. I'm true maroon. And I want to know who my teammates are. Because if my guy leaves in spring, I, got, I may have to slide the left guard. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get into fall camp and somebody gets their feelings hurt and they leave again. Now i got to transfer to right tackle. You know, so the continuity of the roster is an important part of the team function. Coaches and players need to know who they're playing with. And so this transfer window thing is probably something we, you know, you get into it for a year and you realize this is, okay, there's, this is a, a problem. So they're talking about putting these transfer windows in which are great. Doesn't mean you got to play, but you're not going to go out there and make headlines. You know, the day after a big win, you get your feelings hurt. I'm entering the transfer portal. You know, I don't want that kid either. I'm, I'm, I do not want that kid on my team, period. I, I don't care if I'm coaching high school, college, or peewee. I don't want the, the everybody look at me guy. Hey, the team just had a big win, but my feelings are hurt, so I'm going to go in the portal and I'm going to go make news. So all of a sudden on Sunday when everybody's celebrating the big win, there's this big wet blanket thrown over by some malcontent kid that maybe he's not playing as much as he wanted. And there are some of those kids too. So this will eliminate some of that. So the Division I Board of Directors um, basically will vote August 3rd on these new proposal. And uh, the way the – if I can find the, the, my notes here. The way this is going to work is um, – Number one, you got to be academically eligible. And uh, I think that's a big thing, right, because there are a lot of guys out there that uh, kind of see football as like a, uh, as a vocation, so they're just trying to kind of make their way through. So you got to be academically eligible. And you say, well, that's Steve, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, there are guys at times that get on academic probation and then continue to, to have team functions. So you know you wouldn't be able to do that. Like you wouldn't be able to be a bad student and then go transfer out. And so you would have a total of 60 calendar days to provide a written notification of a transfer. That could be a text, be an email. Uh, I guess you could send a telegram. Fall sports would have a 45-day window. And you say, well, that, what does that mean? 45 days. Well, basically, the end of the the end of the championship weekend, the conference championship weekends, like the weekend after Atlanta. 
So I did, like this year, it'd go from December 5th to January 18th. And then, then you get a second one in the spring. So we get through with spring practice, and now you've got a 15-day window in the spring. That's not just to be recruited. That's just to say you're going to be in the portal. So you can enter the portal in. So let's say I enter the portal in December, and then, you know, I can transfer in the spring. Then I go in the portal in May, and I can still enroll for one of the summer school sessions or even fall camps. You still got plenty of time to be recruited, but you only have a couple weeks there in the spring to notify teams that you're going in the portal and looking to seek a transfer. I think those are great things. That's something that I've been a proponent for for some time because we have skewed things too far in one direction. Like we have gotten, and again, I am very much a proponent for student athletes, but we have almost become a little bit over the top in that. And so there's no protection for the rest of the student athletes. So the, the student athlete that is leaving, well, he has all these rights and responsibilities and all these privileges, but all of a sudden his teammates don't know from one, from one week to the next who's going to be here. And that's not fair. That shouldn't be that way. You say, well, you know, Steve, such is life. Well, you know, this isn't, that isn't the case. You know, this is a system of rules that you can put in place. You can have some guidelines and protocols. And, again, I think we have gotten too, in many respects, too student-athlete conscious, too. And I'm not going to be the get-off-my-lawn guy, but they're just, I think we're at a very dangerous juncture in college athletics, very dangerous. It's like, okay, I signed a national letter of intent. I know the rules before I do it. I understand it. And it is a privilege to play college athletics. It's not a right. It's a privilege. So I kind of sign up, hey, this is what I want to do. And now all of a sudden I want to renegotiate the deal. Life doesn't work that way more times than not. I mean, you can't, you can't go sign a contract with your employer, agree to certain terms, and all of a sudden you get halfway through the contract, like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know that I'm going to do this. And so if you want me to stay here, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to change that, you know. Um, but all that said, you know, I, again, I think that the transfer portal is a very good thing in many respects because we've had some basketball players in the past that signed and they were recruiting reaches under Ben Howen, they were. And we found out pretty quickly, well, those guys have an opportunity to go somewhere else and play immediately, maybe, maybe at a lower level, you know, maybe outside of the Power Five. That kid shouldn't have to sit, right? And, and even when Ben Howen was our coach, Ben wouldn't want that kid to sit. You wouldn't want that kid to sit. They came in here, they gave their best, it didn't work out. They weren't good enough to play here. So that shouldn't be a life sentence. You should have the ability to transfer and be immediately eligible. I think that is, I think everybody would agree with that. I don't think there's any problem at all with that. Yeah, but the problem kind of comes in now where it's like, okay, well, now that we've attached NIL to the transfer thing, now you've got people out there that maybe it's not about playing time. Maybe it's about paying time. And there are other people that would say, well, Steve, you know, it's about time they have the ability to do that. Yeah, I think we all can agree that this is basically self-will run riot right now. And there are some extreme cases. I mean, I'll tell you, there's a lot of, uh, you know, talking to some people, you know, on college campuses, there's a lot of NIL fatigue too, like your current players. It's like, okay, yeah, you sign an NIL deal, and that's great. You send out your tweet. Well, then there's stuff you got to do. You know, it's not like they're just giving you money. You still got to go do it. And there's a compliance office that's going to ensure that you do. And so there have been some players on your team 
that have turned down NIL opportunities just because between school, workouts, meetings, social life, trying to go back home, they don't have a lot of time to do all this stuff. And so that's the side of this nobody really talks about. Everybody's like, oh, well, the kid that went to Miami got, you know, the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes to go there. Well, that makes the headlines. Well, this other stuff's not as sexy, so nobody reports on it. But the reality of it is there is some NIL deals out there that don't get filled or they're shopped around until somebody says, yeah, I'll do it, because a lot of guys don't want to do the things required as part of the NIL contract. And there are some of you that say, well, yeah, well, Steve, nobody's really doing it. Well, yeah, yeah, they are. Maybe not everybody. But these young men understand that. And they talk to them. They love it. They say, hey, it's so great to be able to have a little pocket money, to be able to buy some clothes and take a girl on a nice date, be able to go do some things with my friends. But there are only so many hours in the day. Simple as that. So, again, we're in transition right now. It won't always be this way. They'll figure it out. Whether it's a collective bargaining agreement, a unionization, and I'm not in favor of unions or whatever, but, you know, Maybe there is a, a, a deal brokered at some point that kind of levels the playing field a little bit. I think that's probably the best case for everybody. And then in addition to that, I think the transfer portal thing, I think if we're honest with ourselves as Mississippi State people, if we did not have the transfer portal this year, what would your excitement level be about baseball next year? Let that sink in for a second. Take a deep breath with me. You'd be excited because it's Bulldog baseball. But would you really expect us to bounce back and maybe be a team that's in contention for hosting next year without the transfer portal? Honestly? I wouldn't. And I, I think that I'm, you know, among the most well-connected when it comes to Mississippi State baseball. And I can tell you, if we didn't have a transfer portal, we'd be better next year. And maybe we make a tournament somewhere. But the transfer portal has been a great thing for Mississippi State baseball. A great thing. And so it's easy for us to kind of get out there and look down our, over our top of our glasses and say, oh, this transfer portal stuff, we didn't do all this when I was a kid. But at the same time, too, we're benefiting from the portal. So it's a blessing and a curse in many respects. But, um, again, I don't want anybody here. They don't want to be here. If a guy is not committed to the M over S or committed to maroon and white, that's fine. I, I don't take that personal. Because at some point, if that guy's not truly committed, he's going to let you down in the ball game anyway, and you're going to want him gone, right? And there are a lot of guys, too, they get here and they begin to realize, you know what, the chances of me playing a lot here is not very good. I'm going to go somewhere I can play. And it's easy to say, well, you know, they should battle through the adversity and learn to compete, you know, and I get that. I do. I'm kind of built from that old school, too. But it's not my life. I'm not the guy that's having to sit there and work hard every day and never get in a ball game knowing that I could maybe transfer down to Southern Miss and play. You only get a short time in life to play sports. And again, I'm very, very, very student athlete, ride friendly, very much so. But I think most of you would agree, we have got to wrap our arms around this a little bit better because it's not the kids that have failed us. It's not the players that have failed us. They're just kind of, you know, using the processes and protocols that were put in place by the adults. It's the leadership that has failed all of us in many respects. You know, those of us that love college athletics. You know, they, this, was, this could have been a great thing. And rather than the NCAA getting out in front of this and saying, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to everybody 
Every student athlete from every sport is going to right to be compensated. And here's how we're going to here's how we're going to facilitate that. They could have done that, but instead, through their own inaction, they're like, you know, we're our own organization. We're going to do what I want to do. Well, now all of a sudden, state and federal governments are involved, and now you, you've lost control over it. So the leadership has failed us. And I and I read these things on social media, people being critical of these young people. Listen, it's just kind of like Vanderbilt and the need-based loophole, right? If this opportunity is aware, is available to them, they'd be a fool not to use it. Right? How many years have we, like Jay Billis would tweet the tweet out, is like, hey, the NCAA will suspend this kid, but they'll sell his jersey, and the guy makes no money off of it? It was wrong. Well, now you're given the ability to make some money on a name, image, and likeness. But it's just, it's become this Pandora's box that is now leaked over to recruiting, and you've got recruits that have done nothing on the college level signing contracts you know, for six figures. And I don't think that's the right course of action. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm open to being wrong. I just would like to see college athletics have, uh, have a level playing field. All right, speaking of level playing fields, many of you maybe didn't enjoy baseball season this year. And you can go back and relive the greatest season in Mississippi State baseball history, the one that, re that ended with an AFL championship. Go to dogpilethebook.com. That's D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E, thebook.com. And you can get a signed copy of Dogpile. While you're there, you get Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs. And again, almost depleted there. And maybe you're like, you need to reach out. I got some friends of mine said, hey, I've read Flim Flam and Dogpile. What are your other books? And I'm thinking, we talk about this all the time. It's Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, Bloomsville, Leander. You can get all four of my sports books at the Dogpile website. Yeah, I encourage you to do that. A lot of people reach out to me. They see me on Facebook, whatever. Steve, what can we do to support you? We can buy some books. You can buy some Stark Villains merch. You subscribe to Gene's page. You're all three, right? Do the trifecta. You can get the books. You'd be glad you did. And uh, we'll be signing again here in the fall, some game day weekend stuff. I've enjoyed kind of having some time to myself. I didn't write a book this summer. Kind of enjoyed letting my mind rest a little bit. I'm working on some other projects, helping some other people. And uh, it's been a difficult summer, too, I'll be honest with you. I've had a lot of things go wrong this, this summer. I say wrong. A lot of things not go as, ex as expected this summer. And I don't know if they're wrong yet. We'll just kind of see how life goes, right? I mean, sometimes things happen. It's not what I expect, but the, the end result ends up being better, right? So let's not judge them in the moment. Let's judge them in hindsight. But um, I've enjoyed not having to write uh, on a book this summer. I, I'll probably get the urge next year. Uh, but we'll see. Again, i got a couple things I'm working on that I'm, I'm eager to talk about when the time comes. But um, all that said, if you're looking for those books, go to dogpilethebook.com. And uh, Stark Villains merch, always available at starkvillains.com. Or a Stark Villains shirt yesterday for the first time in maybe two months. Dude, where'd you get the shirt? Starkvillains.com. Very, very easy place to find. And then, uh, as always, come to jeanspage.com, be a member, and uh, you'll be glad you did. The Mississippi State Affiliate of 247sports.com. That's it for today. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.